Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Christian Garza, and we also have the fabulous and world traveler, Tamberlyn Miller. Hello, hello, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about Edward Infill and his departure from Vogue, from British Vogue? Well, his departure as editor-in-chief of British Vogue. But yeah, he's like in an at-large like role now. And allegedly, there's like a lot of rumors. It's a whole like power struggle between him and Anna or Anna Winter. Definitely. And I think personally, I'm going to go with the, the gossip angle because I believe the gossip side. Right. Why else would you leave such an illustrious position that we all have been seeing Edward Info kind of slave for and work very hard for since... Uh, the September issue movie. And when did that come out? Like the early 2000s? I think 2009, right? So yeah. yeah. So you've been at this for a while. Why would you, once you finally got the spot and were absolutely killing it, like every shoot was viral. Every cover was a big deal. Like everything was getting talked about. You were definitely overshadowing all the other Vogues. Why would you, you know, just be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't buy it. I feel like maybe Anna was like threatened and everybody's talking about like British Vogue and how like their covers are doing, but just like in general, like the entire book, how it was doing well. And then of course, American Vogue is still like stale. Yes, but that's like, and I hate to be the person to make everything about race, but nine times out of 10, that's really what's going on. And I hate to say it, but American Vogue is so boring and stale and dry because of the same reason British Vogue was when Edward first got there, according to, you know, the gossip, was that it was just a bunch of rich white girls working there. And one of the articles I was reading is just like how Alexandra Shulman, the former editor-in-chief, she was just so out of touch and that like she missed so many opportunities. Like everybody was going to like digital and e-commerce, you know, Vogue was so like behind on that. Now we see like American Vogue, or I guess at large now, You know, they're trying to do all these things for like viral like moments and just to like be at the forefront of like media. Remember like last year when they had that whole like runway show and Lil Nas X was like performing? Yes, yes. That was so random. It was super random, like celebrating Vogue anniversary with this random fashion show. And then they did the whole Vogue masthead challenge, like to get all that free content from the internet for people like wanting to put Vogue over their pictures. Except for Drake. And who was the other rapper? I forgot. 21 Savage. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. That's funny. Even that shows like how stale it is. You guys couldn't get Drake and 21 Savage. That would have been an easy sellout cover. Yes. For like background. Whenever he first became the editor-in-chief, the departing editor-in-chief, Alexandra Solman, she ended up writing an article for Business of Fashion, and it was kind of... Scathing. Yes, right? The title was like, what it takes to become an editor. But really, it was just like saying he didn't have it. Like, he was more of a celebrity, why he's in that role now, and just they're leaning on their relationships and how many followers they have on social media. In actuality, he actually probably worked harder than she did because he came from modest roots. Definitely. And her whole thing just seemed like her article and her, the tone of her article just seemed more so of a he doesn't belong here than a he's not qualified for the job. Right. And of course, there was definitely like tones of like racism. Definitely. And then she's like, oh, it takes more than just photos with celebrities you are always being pictured with a celebrity of your you know choosing you want to be with victoria beckham you want to be pictured with certain people so don't make it seem like because this person is cooler than you that they you know are beneath the station of the job or is not serious enough for the job you and like the gossip is saying you know anna wintour he did not expect to be playing second fiddle to a 73 year old woman for much longer 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in your 70s. You're my grandma's age. Why are you running fashion? And not even just like Vogue. Well, I forget her role. It's like content chief, chief content of all of Condé Nast, right? Yes. Like so that's major. How? That's a like vast job. Like, how is she doing that? She's just like okaying everything or giving her two cents, just like we saw in the September issue, like mm-hmm. the, the yes or no person. And maybe all of the things that were coming out of British Vogue, he was really fighting hard for, kind of like a Grace Coddington situation, if we have some to compare oh, yeah. to. And he was winning, and maybe she did not like that, like being challenged on that level and it being so successful. Because even if you kind of bash it in the office or whatever amongst yourselves, when you put it out and social media goes crazy and it's always dry, it's always crickets for American Vogue, that kind of speaks for itself. There's nothing you could do to combat that. And this kind of reminds me of like, okay, do you remember Kareen Reutfeld? What is it? Reutfeld? Reutfeld? Yes. 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 And how eventually she had a fallout because she was the editor-in-chief of French Vogue. And then eventually, I think there was like bad blood or something. I forgot the context of like why she was like ousted. But she took a moment and then she came back and now she has her CR fashion book. I don't know if that's still around though, but we should do a whole like podcast on her. Yes. And CR fashion book when it came out, it might still, I feel like it's not like a periodical or anything. It kind of comes out when it comes out. It's yeah. always a big deal, too. Her shoots are over the top. I believe she had like a little movie or documentary or something about that as well. The creation of it, all the celebrities that she gets. Mm-hmm. And she had close relationships with designers, too. So it wasn't like this teacher principal thing that Anna has going with everybody. Right. And she also, like Edward, she was like a stylist. Like that's mm-hmm. what she's best known for i think like she's still styling definitely and a lot of people were saying oh that's why edward is leaving because he was turning down so many lucrative jobs um due to conflict of interest for being the editor Mm -hmm. what kind of conflict of interest policy do you guys have at vogue it cannot be that steep because if that's the case everything is a conflict of interest involving fashion the industry of fashion oh for sure i did see a meme somewhere whatever but uh saying about how much money or like he'll be able to do so much like freelance work now and i imagine he's probably gonna make a lot of money because that was one of the things he i think we said in the book whenever we did our like review of his uh, memoir he actually doesn't get paid as much as we think he's getting paid oh yeah to be editor it's more so of like a prestige job right yeah, so they like the people were saying, oh, he's going to work for designers. Like maybe he'll style the show. Maybe he'll do, I don't know, some type of celebrity relations for those shows. Maybe he will creative direct a brand. We can circle back to this, but uh, I totally think one of these brands that's like in the midst of a crisis with their designers should totally like snatch him up instead of hiring these random musicians. Like Pharrell did a fine job. It wasn't like revolutionary, but... Uh, Today's news, it was, you know, Future and Lan Van. I am conflicted with this because I am a Free Bands gang member. You know, I love Future music. (laughs) Also, Future is kind of known, well-known for being a well-dressed rapper. Although he is not very much on the scene enough to get a lot of photographic evidence of this. Mm. He is a man of a certain caliber of taste. However, I have never seen Future do anything artistic in that way. Like, oh, I'm, you know, like Kanye West, oh, I'm styling all the girls that I date, like Rachel Zoe, you could tell they're Kanye's dolls, Kanye's angels. Or, yeah, like I've done some type of collaboration with another designer 
even in a way that like other celebrities have done, like recently Beyonce did with Balmain or in the past, Rihanna used to do different designer collaborations like Manolo Bonnick. We haven't even seen that just out the gate. You're going to do this capsule with Lambon and maybe this is part of their lab thing. And that's going to be the premise. They can just take a person in their taste and let it influence the people of the lab, like the atelier or what it's going to be right now. I don't know. I'm nervous. Cause I was nervous about Pharrell as well. Right. And, but like with their lab thing, I think it was so nice how they were doing it. Like they were picking these like lesser known designers and they weren't leaving their own brands, but they were coming to also like do this guest collaboration for that season. So it was helping both the smaller designer and the the house, like have a different perspective, like every season. Yes. And again, due to futures, like popularity and all of that, of course, this is going to drive business. Of course, it's going to drive sales. But what, if anything, because like it doesn't have to be a whole career switch thing, but what for future is a long term plan game for this? Because like I'm barely starting to see you at Fashion Week. We saw you at the Burberry show. That was cool. But like you haven't been on the scene a lot as far as outside publicly, visibly, even as much as like an offset who had his own collaboration with the line and had to show up Paris Fashion Week and all that. So are you going to be like a fashion man now on that level? Or is this just like a one time thing they asked you and you're going to do it? And see, like, I don't really care for future just because I don't know why I, I like care about Sierra so much, but I do <laughs> <laughs> for how he treated Sierra. And even she even talks about it in her song, I bet. But she was one who introduced him to like, I'm sure like he was at Burberry previously. Yes, he was at fashion shows with Sierra. <laughs> because of Sierra. The, the reason he, you know, was sitting front row. <laughs> You're not wrong, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. I don't know why I care about Sierra. <laughs> I don't know why. I think she seems so like wholesome and like she doesn't have crazy great vocals or anything, but you know, she yeah, does the best with what she's got. She seems like a nice lady. She can dance. <laughs> yes. Nice lady. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I agree. Future just, I feel like he has enough solid taste to do something, especially if his menswear, but We'll see. On the yeah, topic we'll of menswear, oh, maybe we don't want to go on a tangent, but uh, we're going to do a deep dive on Ruji from Rude and his shenanigans. That's going to come up. <laughs> Not this one, right? Next one. Next one. But please stay tuned for that because we have to talk about that. So much has happened. So much has happened. But yeah, Edward, uh, there's no way that he's just walking away from this. The prestige, the, the like they're saying, you know, he's basically calling him a fame whore, like going to the fancy parties and having that that power to put somebody on the cover and all of that, which is a lot of clout in the entertainment industry. He's not just going to pass that up. And then uh, we both watched the Diary of a CEO podcast that he was on. And to me, he was just giving me a vibe of like, are we going to cuss on this show? Like, fuck them. Like, I don't care <laughs> if I don't want to be somewhere. And he was like very adamantly kind of repeating that in various terms. If I don't want to be somewhere even for a second. I don't want to be there. Like I'm at that point in my life. We passed the work, work, work approval stage. And now I'm at the, I already have money and I already have status stage and I don't care. That's the vibe he was giving me. And he's consistent because I remember reading that in his book too. Just like whenever he's not happy, it's done. Like next thing. Yeah, so it it had nothing to do with the work. No, I'm sure it's just like all the politics behind it. Yes. 
And he kept uh, repeating that too on various outlets. Like everybody said that a cover, you know, with black women wouldn't sell. I made that happen. Like during the pandemic, I put real people on the cover and those sold out and all these things. Like, so he's kind of digging the, not, not in a shady way, but I guess just stating the facts. Like I made these what were allegedly bold decisions on their behalf by just being more inclusive to everyone. And I've hit it out of the park every time. If you want to go back to your like stairway, just for the sake of, I don't know, white power, go ahead. That and just like comfort, just like people want to see themselves represented. That's why they did so well. That's true. I was reading this book about trauma. It's a good book. And it was just talking about how like how malleable our fo- the folds in our brain are. So random, like, no, that makes, that makes sense. So like, if you are at your older age, and you're stuck in your ways, it's because you actively choose to do so. It's not because your brain isn't capable of accepting something new. It's just you're being stubborn. You're being ignorant. Yeah. Anytime something new comes up, you force it down like now. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. But I wish I hopefully, you know, you guys can see in the edit as we're talking, like the covers have just been so boring at American Vogue. Like they even made Ariana Grande look boring. Oh, right. With that massive hat, I remember. Yeah, what's going on? And it's all like, it's never innovative. It's never fresh. Y'all make, y'all made Serena Williams look like a grandma. Like, it's just boring every time it's stale. We're always at the beach. It's always rocks. We're always like in a Calvin Klein commercial for perfume for the one. Like, what's going on over there? Always like Annie Leibovitz. Yes. Yes. And some somebody could argue also that like, him forming these relationships with these celebrities, it's like vital to getting these exclusive covers. I'm sure the reason Beyonce did that like Renaissance cover last summer was because of her relationship with him. She wants him to succeed because they're personally like they know each other. Definitely. And like getting Rihanna, pregnant Rihanna on the cover and different things like that. I'm sure all of that has to do with his personal relationship, getting Naomi. He even said in the um, in the book because he knows Naomi, because he knows Iman and Rihanna, he was able to pull off that cover and just certain things, which you would want. But I think people are so used to, and probably especially the people there, are used to Anna's cold, like scare everybody to death to get things done demeanor, that the idea that somebody can be friendly and their people are going to come because they like him also makes her look bad and feel bad. That's so weird. Like people should be coming out of respect for, you know, whoever's in charge and the institution of Vogue. Like people should just want to show up. It shouldn't be because, you know, it's their homeboy. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Seems like hate. Hate to me. So Shulman, the former editor of British Vogue, she was at the helm for 25 years. And of the 306 covers, only 11 of them featured women of color. And then it said that six of them were Naomi Campbell. I am not surprised. So the only black person you know is Naomi Campbell. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, random tangent. But I was like being sassy in a work conversation, like in teams. And somebody, like a higher up person, I was joking about like Naomi Campbell. And then he said, oh, one of his like best friends or buddies, like he dated Naomi Campbell at one point. Like, I feel like he said the early 2000s. And I was like, who's your friend? And I can't believe I'm like this close to Naomi Campbell. <laughs> Who's your friend? Was it Usher? No, it was like some random like rich white man. Okay. Her type. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's my type too. <laughs> uh, puts 
sweetie over us. That's my type. That's my type. <laughs> so who next is it going to be for British folk? Maybe that's already out. Oh, who is? Like, nobody's cared. Everybody's talked about how, like, he's gone. Oh, they, they haven't, I guess, announced it right now. Because hmm. it just came out, like, the beginning of June that he's out as editor-in-chief. But if Anna is chief content officer, then it's her. Kind of. I feel like she's, I feel like in an organizational chart, she would be above them. Yes, definitely. Wait, so how is she also editor-in-chief of American Vogue and content? I think so. That's weird. Yeah. Anna Wintour. Dame Anna Wintour. Hmm. You were born in 1949 and you're in charge of fashion. You wear like tweed suits and stuff. You have the same haircut. Wow. She really wears the same exact outfit anyway. All the time. The same yes. shift dress. What's going on? Who does she have some dirt on somebody? There's something going on here. Yes. It's like Devil Wears Prada. There's no way. And they said that, uh, well, in one of the gossip articles, that they are not like friends or friendly with each other. And they're like, it's always been a cold relationship. Yeah. And the way they kind of like cover that up is just kind of like, you know, this is work and Anna's not familiar with anybody. They were kind of relating it to Grace Coddington, how, you know, they were friends, but even like in the September issue, you can tell there's like a weird, like back and forth energy. Like Grace was the more like kind, like reserved one. And she kind of had some points had to stick up for herself because Anna kind of just would bulldoze. Yes. Over everyone. Mm hmm. Very interesting. Oh, and she is she's been put in charge of the magazines worldwide since twenty twenty. Oh weird. So creepy. Held as the most powerful woman in media. Is she though? I feel like Vogue is a big deal, but it's not as a a big deal as it was, let's say, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago. Right. Like there's the internet. Social media is more influential than like whatever's going on in Vogue. I agree. And it would probably be unfortunate, but like a queen of media would probably be like a Kim Kardashian. Yes. Or just anyone on an influencer level like that. Yeah. Because they're going to care about like what Kim Kardashian wears in posts, you know, especially if it's affordable. If she wears something from Forever 21 right now, it's going to sell out everywhere. It's going to be backorders on it. Whereas if you put it in Vogue, it may or may not. Whenever I would read Vogue, I would wonder like who's actually taking this advice, especially because like the price points are so high. It's not for the average woman. You know, it's aspirational, but like nobody can afford it. Oh, definitely. When I was growing up, the first uh, magazine subscription I got was Teen Vogue. And even that was like the most expensive stuff that you could have in that age group. So when I got older and I started to look at Vogue, it's like, oh yeah, this is just not for a regular person or in my mind at that time, a normal person at all. Like everything in here from their their version of like dinnerware and what you should do, because of course it's a magazine, which most people I feel like totally discount. It has articles and different things. Oh, it's giving you like hosting advice. It's telling you to buy some Gucci dishes. Mm. How? And then like, on the level with uh, how people kind of make fun of Gwyneth Paltrow's goop now. Like, that's what Vogue was to me. Like, oh, a $300 white t-shirt. Right. It make a lot of sense. It's interesting because, like, I guess you do want to be aspirational, especially because, like, who wants to be... I saw it somewhere about how, like, nobody wants to be just, like, the average, even though everybody's average. So, like, you want to be aspirational, but, like, what's the point of doing that if nobody can afford any of it? Like, what's the point of them reading it? Yeah. And then I feel like there has to be aspiration in a certain level of 
like attainability still because aspiration is idea like I can reach up and grab that. If you're putting it so far out of the norm, then it's no longer aspirational. And this just becomes like a fashion scrapbook. Oh, I know what we can relate this to. It would be like, people aren't out here thinking they're going to get a real Birkin, but people are out here like, oh, let me get that Michael Kors or coach, you know? Yes, the average person in the mall. Or even, like I'm saying, it's like we're both saying, it's fine to be aspirational. Oh, I aspire, or that Louis Vuitton, you know, speedy, or that Louis Vuitton never full, the suburban girl's favorite bag. Oh, yeah, gross. Yeah, why wouldn't I? You know, I can get that. Okay, but if you put a Hermes tote in here for for a weekend bag or Chanel, then that's not, the average girl that's going to spend the money to buy this magazine is not going to, it's not going to happen. And their social media stuff, I feel like kind of, their social media content kind of mirrors that approach where it's not even on the level of the consumer. It's completely above them. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Vogue. The days, the good old days may be behind you, but I don't know what magazine is like on top of things in that way. I feel like all the other fashion magazines are more niche and like what Vogue does have is like the advertisers and the, I'd say circulation, but maybe like the impressions now that we're like all social media. Yes. And also maybe like the notoriety. So like a Kim Kardashian or a Beyonce, you know, they still would like to be on a Vogue cover. Yeah. Or anyone, you know, when it comes to that sort of thing. So yeah, the name does definitely does have cloud has prestige, Mm -hmm. but I get, I don't know how, how I would, how I would measure like what you're willing to take employment wise. You know, if we all think about Vogue as the devil wears Prada, which is supposed to be the fictionalized workplace, what do you deal with that to be essentially like a social media star? Do you just do it on your own? Like, do you even care to go and like get beat up or yell that to work at Vogue to say you you post for the Instagram at Vogue hmm. or you style the, the shoots that are on Vogue's Instagram on Vogue's TikToks like because if I'm looking at it that way that could be a reason why Edward's like forget y'all I could go somewhere else and have like even more impact and make more money right I feel like the most interesting thing that Vogue has done in years is probably their little what was it 73 questions oh yes Yes. Which was, according to the guy, his own thing that he was doing. And they just asked him to come and do it for them, for one celebrity, and then just adopted and made it their own thing. Whoa. Which I also feel like turned into their, like, get ready with me skincare routine things with celebrities. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's pretty much all. Which also always seems weird because they don't fully, like, it's clearly a product commercial. Everyone that I've watched has been a product placement commercial. Why don't you just pop the products up so we can see them? Why is it this whole, you're trying to make it seem like this is natural and normal and this is this person's real bathroom? It's not. Right. And remember that one that people were tearing apart Selena Gomez because like she wasn't using products like how they were supposed to be used? (laughs) She was doing it for the camera. I guess. Or she didn't know what she was using. Terrible. But yeah, that's, that's how it looks. Like it's a product placement thing. I don't know, but I feel like, yeah, as far as clout, of course, you want to be on the cover of Vogue, the real Vogue, not the Drake one. <laughs> but in the social media time, you could have the same amount of reach or maybe more if, yeah, you get one of the Kardashians to post you, any of them. So what we need to do is try to get Northwest to post us and this podcast. Yes, because she is the future of the family. Yes. And she's going to be in charge of the other ones. I would say, you know, the more amiable, maybe true Maybe Chicago. Oh. 
but North North is definitely going to be in charge. Yes. Oh well, while we're uh, you know, on the way out, what did you think about the Pharrell show with Louis Vuitton? I only saw pieces of it, of course, because it was everywhere with social media. I appreciated the interpretation of the what was it the Daimler like print. Yes. But I think turning that and kind of like morphing it into the like checkerboard. I feel like checkerboard was like super massive last year and the year before. I feel like now it's kind of like, hmm, that's a tail end. I liked, I did like all the accessories, which was great. Um, and I feel like all the clothes were just meh. Maybe because I was mostly looking at all the men's stuff. Oh, yeah. Was there women's? It, I feel like it was unisex. Some of the items okay. like that um, mechanic suit that Rihanna was wearing, LeBron James' wife Savannah had on like a denim jacket and jeans that she wore without a shirt. So it was kind of cute. Anita, uh, the singer, she did the same thing. So I feel like there were things that could be interpreted as unisex. Definitely bringing the logo mania back strong. That's another thing. I feel like we're not there yet. Like circling back around to logo mania especially right now with social media and the influence of that succession or whatever it is. I've never seen it, but everybody's talking about quiet luxury. Oh yeah. And how do you do that with Louis Vuitton? You have that Daimler, you have the LV print. I I think that certain brands are for quiet luxury and certain things are for that. Louis Vuitton has probably never been that way. I mean, if you want, you could buy the Epi leather stuff. If you don't want people Mm -hmm. to know that it's Louis Vuitton, but for the most part, people want, to know like people want want you to know know. yeah so the quiet luxury are the brands that are like well now bottega got blown up because of the color and the um you know Mm. pattern and all that so who who's really left well i think it's brunello cuccinelli yeah stuff like that yeah 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 just plain rich people clothes the row yes i feel like i saw a tiktok or something about that loro piani okay yes Yes, just like all those like random like quality brands, just like obscure and like rich, but also like design is boring, but well made. Never trust a girl wearing gold and goose. Oh God, no. <laughs> oh God. I, you cannot trust a rich person that's trying to look poor intentionally. Okay. Quiet luxury is different from, I don't know what to call it, poor fishing. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> is there anything else we should talk about? I don't know. I feel like that's pretty good. Oh, we got to say goodbye. Oh, so with that, I think that's the end of this podcast. Definitely subscribe because next episode, we're going to do a deep dive into why Ruiji was fired from Bali and all of his like shady dealings with allegedly eBay. And I didn't know that until today. His fraudulent activities to fund his luxury lifestyle, as the people are saying. <laughs> so crazy. Get the dirt here on That's Hot Pod. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and leave us some comments. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.